So you've got this, uh, you've got this a, a change that's happening. Now the Persians were pretty laissez-faire when it came to the religion of their subjects. They, okay. they you know, you can do what you want. Yep. Uh, the Greeks, very laissez-faire. There's one story, and it may be legend, that when Alexander came to Jerusalem, now there's question among some historians if he actually ever went to Jerusalem because okay. it would have been a little out of the way and sure. why why go there if right. you control everything else but yeah. when he came to Jerusalem they greeted him with open arms and they pointed to a few verses in uh, Daniel chapter 8 talking about um, well about him okay um, coming Pro prophesying and, of yeah okay. about him and driving away hmm. the Persians and hmm. And so they, you know, you're fulfilling prophecy, and, yeah. and therefore he loved the Jews. Uh -huh. and, and they had, for a while, a long while, they had tax-exempt, or at least reduced tax-exempt status, uh -huh. and, uh, and, and, you know, freedom to exercise their religion. Well, that changes. Um, around 168, a, a, a new guy comes in, Antiochus IV, um, uh, he's a Seleucid. That's the one that's, you know, north and... North and east. North and east. And, you know, like, yeah, including Damascus and so on. Okay. He, um, he starts... Oh, there's, there's so much that could be said, so let's, let's keep it kind of simple. He starts putting restrictions on Judaism. Um, it may have been because of a, a conflict that w was between people in Jerusalem, or it may have been that he felt like they were a threat of rebellion or something. But anyway, he starts putting some restrictions. He comes in and, and he takes direct control of, of Jerusalem and the temple. Um, he converts the temple into a pagan temple, covers the altar over with a pagan altar, sacrifices a pig. Yeah. Okay. And this is you know horrific yeah, to, to, the, to the Jews. The Jews yeah. and, um, Say his name again. Antiochus Okay. And he, he would have been a... A, a Greek ruler. And yeah. Prior to this, the Greeks generally were okay with uh, the Jews kind of doing what they wanted. Yeah. Um, and the Jews were kind of adopting voluntarily uh, some of the the Greek ways. And and, and which if if your your ruling body is yeah. very friendly and nice to you, yeah. then you're even more open to sure. receiving those things. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's not us against them anymore. Right. It's hey, yeah, it's yeah. all of us. And so, so Antiochus. Antiochus or Antiochus. And is that a connection to Antioch, the, the place? That's a great question. I don't, I, I don't know. Okay. It, it, that, it, that's well, a that's, good answer. That's one I'm going to want to look up. That's a good up. answer. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's okay. Um, and, and so he, uh, you know, he, he starts uh, destroying, you know, the, the, the scriptures are torn up and burned, and it gets to the point where, and it doesn't take very long, where, you know, you, you can't observe the Sabbath anymore, you don't circumcise your, your children anymore. Wow. There's one story of this mother who, before she was executed, had her two dead children um, tied around her neck. Wow. Um, and they were killed because they'd been circumcised, and she was being killed because they'd been circumcised. Wow. And, and so we Brutal. get to a, a place here where partly through adopting um, this Greek culture on the part of some, and then this exterior, external um, pressure and persecution, you get to a point where Judaism and the Jewish people are on the verge of extinction. Mm. And, wow. um, you know, a pretty scary time. But um, a little north of, uh, of Jerusalem, 
in a town called Modine or something close to that. Mm -hmm. um, a, a Greek official uh, went to this town and he was going to enforce the, the edict that the Jews had to sacrifice to, you know, a pagan, make a pagan sacrifice. And, um, and he says, who's going to do this? And finally, a Jew steps forward to do it. Mm. You know, it's, wow. it's, it's that or die, mm. almost. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's one man there whose name was Mattathias. Uh, the family name was Hasmon, H-A-S-M-O-N. Okay. <clears throat> and that family becomes known as the Hasmonean okay. um, dynasty. Mattathias Hasmon is, is enraged that a Jew would do this and that these, these Greek outsiders would force them to. And he, and he was a Jew. He's a Jew. Mattathias okay. is, in fact, okay. he's a priest. Okay. Um, some of the priests had left Jerusalem mm. leading up to these things because sure. uh, they, they didn't want to be a part of that. Yeah. You know, he right. may have been a Pharisee, I don't know. Mm. But he rises up and he kills the Greek official and he kills the Jewish traitor wow. that was about to do that. And mm. then he and his five sons flee into the hills and, uh, and eventually more and more people join them and they have a, a basically a guerrilla army. Wow. We don't hear a lot about um, Mattathias after this because it, it goes to his first son mm -hmm. who was kind of a military genius, a Judas whose nickname was um, Maccabeus mm. or Maccabee. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, which means the hammerer mm. and, and that was a nickname kind of reflective of his um, military mm. prowess. Mm. And this takes uh, several years and it's mostly in the countryside at first but after, well, the ultimate freedom takes decades and all five of those sons. But uh, within a few years, they're able to retake Jerusalem. So this family is integral in the Jews kind of cutting ties with the Greek rule. Right. Okay. Yeah. And the and separation uh, from, not from the culture completely, but from that influence that pushes that culture directly. Yeah. And, Interesting. And, and the, the whatever... T taxes have now come into play there. And that's guerrilla warfare effectively being done to kind of separate themselves, is that? Yeah, to, to drive the, the Greeks out, to drive okay. the foreigners out. So they, they get Jerusalem, they, they get control of, of the temple compound, um, and one of the, the very first things they do is they want to clean out the temple and and make, make it back to a, a temple for, for God. Sure. For Jehovah Yahweh, that doesn't have pig's blood on it. Yeah, and things that had happened. And so they they clean all of that out. They want to rededicate it. Mm -hmm. They they want to light the what we now call a menorah. Mm -hmm. um, Give me a time, a date. -ish. So we're looking about 168, 165 BC. So from 300 to 165 ish, we've got Greek rule, Persian rule from four to three ish. Three to three to one. Persian rule is more like five oh, right. five thirty to right three long ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so the Greek rule kind of ends around one sixty. Yeah, well, ultimately it's more like the one forty okay. range. Um, but but influence. But they but they get Jerusalem and the temple back okay. in in the, the mid to late sixties. Okay. Um, now, they want to light the menorah, and it, it uses olive oil as the fuel, and it has to be. Um, consecrated. Teach us again what the menorah originally was in, do we know what the, the menorah was to that, what it meant to them, what their, the history of that temple item was? 
Uh, can we delete this part later? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can. Uh, because I, I don't know that I can get into that. I mean, there were eight branches and then a ninth one, which is the one that, that would be lit, and then you'd use it to light the other ones. Okay. Um, but the but the detail of what it is. Yeah. Well, the menorah was was uh, a, a, a lot the light in the in the temple. Right. Uh, in Jesus' time, there was a gigantic menorah, oh. several stories tall. Yeah. And when, when he gives that light of the world, it's the lighting of this. Sure. I don't know what it was, 60 feet or something, yeah. huge menorah with great big bowls of oil. You so, know. so there may have been more uh, to it, but we know at least that it was uh, it had a function of, of lighting yeah, the space. Yeah, in the temple. Okay. And, and, you know, olive oil is, is, uh, is associated with the, the sacred and holy. Sure. And, and so this is, you know, the light of God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. And and so they want to they want to relight the the uh, menorah, but uh, there's only one little container of oil. That would typically only last a day, mm. and so they they quick quickly start looking. But they want to start right now. Right, yeah. I want to we want to rededicate now. We want to reclaim this mm. for God right now, and and these aren't necessarily the most righteous people. Sure. In every way. But they're they're trying to defend their people, their faith, their way of life, yeah. their God, yeah. you know, and and so we want to start right now. Somebody go start looking for it, but we're going to light it right now. Mm -hmm. And with only one day's worth of oil to keep this lit, it takes eight days mm -hmm. to um, for somebody to come up with some more oil to replace it. And that one day supply of oil burns for eight days. Oh, I see a holiday coming. Yes, <laughs> and this is this is Hanukkah. Oh, wow. This is Han I mean, Hanukkah. The, the root of it means dedication. Sure. And uh, and and so now uh, we know why Hanukkah lasts eight days. Yeah. So Hanukkah then uh, is is pretty central to uh, the obviously the, the Jewish faith and in, in um, restoring the temple and and having there's I I know very little about Jewish current Jewish cult culture and customs. Um, I've had some interactions with the. Rabbis locally here in town as a choir director and just musically, mm. um, but uh, <clears throat> Hanukkah is definitely not a Christmas equivalent. No, um, uh, but uh, but still significant, still important in in even providing that light, right? That, yeah, that, that might reference uh, bringing God back into their lives. Yeah, and and I think and some of these ideas I'm about to share with you, I get from. Um, a colleague of ours, uh, Brother Todd Knowles, who oh, used to live guy. in the Boise area. Yeah, he's up in Seattle area. Now. Yeah, yeah, University of Washington Institute. And um, one thing he points out is that this was a this whole re act of rebellion and reclaiming the temple and and saving Judaism basically mm -hmm. was a fulfillment of promises made to Abraham. Sure. That through his descendants, the whole earth would be blessed. Yeah. Through his descendants, Christ would be born. Right. In a sense, Hanukkah saves Christmas. Yeah. Before Christmas even. Yeah. You if know, we didn't happened. have Hanukkah, we wouldn't have had uh, a the, Jewish the, people. Yeah, the freedoms in Jerusalem to yeah. to worship the way they were worshiping when Christ yeah. was born. Yeah, and the, the, temple, the temple wouldn't have been there if it had been there. Would would not have been. A, a, a Jewish temple, yeah, or a, a pagan temple. A righteous place to go worship, right? Yeah. Or to teach in, right? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. That's and, really interesting. And so, you know, God keeps his covenants. Yeah. And even with people who maybe are not really all that righteous at all times, um, but even in their weakness, 
Yeah. God can bless us. Yeah. He wants to bless us. That's very interesting. You know, it's making me consider the uh, the bloodline, the, the lineage of Christ. Um, we're recording this the week before Christmas, and this episode will come out the week after Christmas. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we've already recorded some some early New Testament uh, par- um, podcast episodes, and and in thinking about the the lineage of Christ, you know, this whole uh, um, gap, this this period of time where there isn't uh, written canonized scripture. Um, that lineage is still happening, right? Mm-hmm, that that mm-hmm. lineage is still carrying through, even though there may not be a prophet to lead, and even though each of those uh, fathers or forefathers of Mary and Joseph um, may not have been the most righteous or, or um, following exactly the way that they should have been, um, the Lord, it just made me remember that, that God keeps His promises, and sometimes that's even through those uh, those gaps in in the history of the earth, and, and obviously that happened in the the great apostasy, right? Where mm-hmm. where there were necessary things that needed to happen prior to the restoration, um, that the Lord was was utilizing the founding fathers um, and identifying uh, d- developments and advancements, printing press, and all the things that would be necessary, right? That I just think it's really cool to to see how uh, God is very aware of earth even when it seems like he's turned away because we've turned away. Uh, that, that verse that uh, 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 turn unto me and I will turn unto, unto thee, mm-hmm. um, that idea that, that when we've turned away, I don't, I don't know that he really turns away. Um, he's very aware and, and very engaged, I think, in the, in the processes on earth as well. Yeah. I, and at, at the macro level and, and at the micro individual level. Sure. Um, he he just wants to bless his children, and he'll take every opportunity. Yeah. It's not like, I mean, there are standards, and there are things that are required for us to be exalted, and all right. of that. But he will take us where we are, wherever that is, yeah. and start working with us there. Yeah, he'll bless us with whatever he can. Yeah, where we are, and yeah, and the trajectory matters more than the yeah. the height on the scale. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So we're we're roughly one sixty five BC for for Hanukkah for Hanukkah. Yeah. Okay. And then it, it takes a uh, uh, a while more for them to f- you know finally get some breathing room from the beyond Greeks. just uh, you know right around Jerusalem and the countryside okay. there. Um, and then they're an independent nation for uh, eighty years okay. or so. But Tell, just just yeah. Go ahead. Again, another modern application with with the the influence of the culture around us. Uh, in 1993, Thomas Monson, and, and I don't have a great citation of sources here, so sure. I don't want to... Uh, Delve too deep. Yeah, yeah, too much, but but there were nine challenges facing the church. At that time? Uh, that he's brought up in 1993. Okay. Facing our church then, 30 years ago, yeah. 29. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've, you've seen the list. Was there anything on there that stood out you to you? You know, it's interesting... Um, Criticism of the church is the fifth one. I'm looking at a list. Brother Knight has the list in front of me here. Criticism of the church and its leaders uh, is just a, a, an obvious one to me today. Uh, it, it seems like an apostle can't give a talk without somebody taking offense to the way something was said or the or the term that was used when the entirety of the talk would suggest the opposite of what a critic would say. Um, the The word or the symbol used um, it is taking so much offense and um, and and effectively throws out the prophet because he 
didn't use the word that would have been preferred. So now, the, the, that kind of person you're talking about that takes offense and throws the prophet out, are, are you thinking of members or non-members? Uh, maybe both, um, but but I think I, maybe because of my position in, in uh, assignments and career, yeah. uh, I see it a lot in members yeah. that uh, it's that it's the most comfortable way to walk away from the church is to blame somebody else's in insensitivity or whatever um, in the world of political correctness that we live in. Yeah, um, I see that as a as a huge crutch of members of the church. And something I think that maybe not just the general non-member, but but someone who has a beef with the church mm -hmm. would use uh, as a cudgel to to keep others away. Yeah, and I think being on this list of challenges facing the church, that the, the, the inside the church would be more of the concern. Yeah, outside sure. the church, that's always going to be the case. Yeah. And I would I would also say that I think there are some people who walk away who are finding fault and criticizing the church and the, and, and they're the leaders of the church that are very sincere. Yeah. People are complicated, right. and it's, it's, I have a hard time, I used to be really good at this, you know, black and white, right, and this yeah. or that, mm -hmm. but people are complicated, and I think that we have all kinds of reasons that people leave with all kinds of attitudes, and some of them are genuinely, sincerely concerned about something, and yeah. it bothers them enough that they leave. Yeah. Other people, it's a, it's a reason, it's an, a, a crutch, yeah. it's a way to rewrite their, sure. their yeah. spiritual life That's history. Fair. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you said that. Yeah. I, I think the... Um, same-sex attraction issue, um, the, those issues that are that are so sensitive and, and personal on a lot of levels. Um, we we all have our own influences in that in that sphere and in that world, and and the the way that um, you know the church's positions and the stance that they take on some things, I think, can be that way. And and obviously, those come with some real emotional connections, mm -hmm. um, familial. Uh, issues. Um, dear it, dear it may, friends. Yeah, right. It, it maybe leads to the next one, which is the breakdown of the traditional family, right? And and because we live in the culture that we live in, um, the Lord's having to teach us more and more about those ways that the that the family breaks down. Same sex attraction being one of them, um, and and that breakdown uh, requires us to learn things we've never had to be taught. Um, and, and to see things differently than we saw them 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, we see things like, um, oh, the, just the, the policies of um, uh, same-sex behavior um, 50, 30 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, may have ended in an excommunication, whereas now prophets through revelation have received that, that we're going to treat that the same as any other immoral. Mm -hmm. Um, act and, and and so I think some people see that and they and they see it as a, a cow to the world and a, a bow saying hey we'll we'll just follow what the world's doing and and I think if we're carefully considering what prophets are doing in their uh, counseling with the Lord the Lord is saying hey now I want you to understand how you should have understood it 50 years ago but you weren't ready and so now we're going to teach you um, how to see that and I, I just think there's a lot of those challenges that faced the church 30 years ago yeah. that are now magnified and um, have, have grown exponentially. And that's one reason I like this list is that it's not a dated list. It has a date, yeah. but it's still relevant. Yeah. One of my ones that stick, stands out to me is number eight on the list, which is trending after the world. Oh, yeah. And and I think that's worth looking at as individuals. You know, am I, am I trending after the world? Mm -hmm. Is 
and there are wonderful things in people in the world. We're talking about worldliness, which yes. is opposed to godliness. Sure. So influences in the world, those ideas, are they becoming more important to me than the words of prophets, yeah. past and present? Yeah. You know, am I, am I judging um, prophets based on what the world says I should think? Or am I judging the world based on what God through his prophets is mm -hmm. telling me? Yeah. I should think. Yeah, so trending after the world. That's well said. So there we are. Anything else that you had to say on that? No, I, I, it's a great list. And, and uh, again, I appreciate that uh, receiving this in maybe more of a personal setting. It may not be the most appropriate thing to share as a, as a public uh, yeah. thing. But, but that, man, they're all, they're all things that, uh, that we struggle with uh, in our day today. That the church struggled with thirty years ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so, so, so that ties us to um, maybe what was going on. I think the connection there is the the one hundred and sixty to one hundred and forty ish somewhere in there BC is uh, the the culture of the the Greek people has really taken hold, and we've we've kind of accepted some of the behaviors, the beliefs uh, of the of the Greek uh, civilization, especially the upper levels. Yep. Yeah. And so now we get where we've kind of separated ourselves from uh, Greek influence, um, maybe through our own, I'd say our, meaning church membership, right? That, that uh, the, the fighting for our right to believe and, and worship as we want, uh, the Jewish people were able to uh, separate themselves. Yeah, and, and meaning they had the freedom and uh, a heightened awareness of what was happening to them, sure. but you still have the Sadducees, for example, and the, the aristocratic level that were um, more open to that. Yeah. Now it was less, it was less Greek, yeah. um, you know, that this kind of uh, took care of some of the things I mentioned before with the gymnasium and so sure. on, but, right. but not, not everything totally all at once. So and, does that, does that, um, does the Greek government Continue to rule? No. So that so we've uh, the, not not over Jerusalem. Okay. So the Jewish people have really adopted their own. They are their own people. And have they put Pharisees and Sadducees kind of in as the ruling class? Well, uh, the Sadducees are the aristocratic level. Okay. And so they're automatically the ones that are. They were there before. Sure. Just under the supervision of the the Greeks. Sure. Um, the so Pharisees are more the the group Religious. that represents the people sure okay um, and there were fewer Sadducees but they had financial power they had political power okay. they had control of the temple okay. the Pharisees had the hearts of the people okay and so they were powerful because of that sure. and so the Sanhedrin mm -hmm. um, without getting to a lengthy history there that doesn't show up in the Old Testament but uh, it, it was the political structure that that you have to have some kind of political structure even if somebody else is governing you sure, yeah. you've got this local body and and that becomes the governing body for the Jews so that might be like the house or the Senate kind of, of their political world. yeah and, and it was interesting, an interesting thing is that the Sanhedrin had jurisdiction over Jews all over the mm. diaspora, all over where, wherever Clear they're dispersed Clear down into Egypt? To. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, was, it a, was, it a, was it a religious govern, governing body? And a political. Okay. Yeah. So they kind of covered the whole yeah. sphere. In fact, uh, you know, the, the political head uh, at, at some points a king. And, and the high priests were often the same person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, echoes of Book of Mormon, but just not good people. Sure. In, yeah. in some of these cases. In fact, 
these Hasmonean, I, I mentioned that Mattathias' name was Hasmon okay. and they right. became the Hasmoneans. The Hasmonean dynasty um, by the 60s BC are really just a lot like the people they drove out okay. a hundred years before. Okay. Yeah. Over, o overly heavy-handed and... Yeah, and, and very politically oriented instead of religious. Um, Immorality, uh, corruption. Sure. Sure. Um, they were they were the people they that their grandparents had driven out. Okay, so, um, so is that a is that a hundred year period of maybe some freedoms in there? Yeah, about a hundred years. Yeah. Okay. And and this is where um, we get introduced. Oh well, I want to say something about the Samaritans. Yeah, please. So we have to go. I could have mentioned this earlier when when the Jews were allowed to go back to rebuild the temple. Okay. Those. Jews up in the northern part that hadn't been carried away, right. they come down and they're saying, we're excited. This is in Ezra and Nehemiah, you know, those okay. books that talk about building the temple, um, Ezra, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that might be one of the things that people are going to send in and, and correct me on, which would be great. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, these people come down and they say, oh, we're Jews too, we want to help. Yeah. And technically they were. Right. But the ones that had come back from Babylon rebuffed them oh. and said, we don't want your help, we don't need your help, you're not really Jewish. We don't validate you as our it, faith. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, intermarriage or whatever had happened, mm -hmm. they, they, they just... And so there's that first offense. Well, and how long have they been gone at that point, right? They they've probably been gone since eight nine hundred. Well, been, are we talking that group of people that was we're originally talking, so taken? The, the ten tribes are taken away in, in like seven twenty two. Okay, and so for the next five, um, from then until five twenty two, okay, basically a couple hundred years, you've got their those people and their descendants that are yeah. living there, okay, up in the northern kingdom, right, intermarrying and whatever they're doing with yeah, the people they're, that they're there's with. bound to be some intermarrying sure. with the the people that got brought in to right. replace those that were taken, um, and and so here's that that first offense, uh, and then there were offenses to follow between that the Jews did to the Samaritans and the Samaritans did back. Ultimately, the Samaritans build their own temple hmm. on Mount Gerizim. Hmm. And um, after a, a long time, um, it becomes converted to a pagan temple. Okay. What, what, tell me where Mount Gerizim is for those that It's, it's uh, north of Jerusalem. Okay. It's, it's still in the, the Palestine area. Okay. Is, is it the city of Samaria? Samaria? No. Okay. Um, it's, you know, the, the story of, of Christ and the woman at the well. Yep. When they talk about our fathers say that we worship on this mountain, right? She's referring to the temple oh, that used okay. to be there. Okay. And you, and you say that you you know we're supposed to worship God in Jerusalem, mm -hmm. and so um, it, it's in the northern kingdom. Okay. I, with a map, I could probably find it, but uh, this is not a good map for that. Um, but it becomes a pagan temple. Okay. And um, one of the the Hasmonean kings at some point uh, goes and destroys that temple. Mm. And so the Samaritans are, that's another reason wow. to be mad. And so, oh. you know, in the New Testament, uh, there's a, a long history of uh, several hundred years of uh, the Jews and the Samaritans not getting along. Sure. And much of it, it can be attributed to, uh, to the Jews. And I've mm. just wondered uh, sometimes, what if, what if those Jews, when they were going to rebuild the temple and were given an offer of help, which they, they could have used the manpower, yeah, for sure. it, what, how things could have been different if they had said, you know what, 
Yeah, please. Well, come on in. Let's. Uh, you can help us out. Now, in terms of, of who could be a priest and who could function in the priest, sure. that was by lineage. Right. So you had to make sure that was all clear and good. Yeah. But for you know the, the, the average person, why not? Yeah. And, and how different things might have been um, with just a little bit of, um, I don't know, humility, yeah, you right. know, inclusiveness. I'm thinking of uh, when Christ is baptized. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember the apostle. You'll remember it off the top of your head, I'm sure. Um, the One of the brethren that was following, um, uh, that was gone and found um, after Christ was baptized and, and John sent his followers out to bring their friends and follow the Savior, uh, one of them comes and is told uh, that Christ has come. It's the man from Samaria. And he's, his response is, can any good thing come from Samaria? Oh, Galilee. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. But that's that same area. That's Samaria's a little bit further, but it yeah, north, it's, it's, it's up north. But that's the idea, yeah. right? That yeah. they're, they're having issues with those people because of those and again, offenses. And again, there's that, that us versus them when it really could be us. Right, yeah. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And so those so those trials, those issues that they had with the Christ being born, where he was born, where, coming from where he was coming from, really are uh, issues with who who he's who could have been peopled with. Yeah. Right? It's, in fact, let's be a little more clear. Um, Samaria is between Galilee and Jerusalem. Okay. And that's why when He'd people travel would, through, yeah, they wouldn't travel straight north south yeah. between they'd Jerusalem and Galilee they would go around it uh, just to avoid walking on Samaria right. yeah. ground that's how that's how badly they felt towards each other yeah good yeah okay that's interesting so then uh, the good samaritan story makes sense more sense right yeah yeah he's he's, he's the bad guy yeah. and has been for hundreds of years but in this story he's the good guy yeah that's interesting and i think that's a perfect example of why this gap is so important to understand right we we haven't even gotten to the uh, to the Roman rule uh, that that was influenced so much of, of what was going on in Christ's day, um, but but I think it's helpful to identify the Greek culture that was influencing their thinking and the way that they worshipped, um, the political structures that had uh, come into existence because of um, the, the the fighting that needed to happen to get rid of the Greeks, um, the 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 Pharisees and the Sadducees and how they kind of sprung up and why they had power. I think those are so important. Um, because they have so much influence in the Savior's life, mm -hmm. right? So take us now, um, unless there's something else, take us to, to Romans. Romans. So you have uh, a couple of brothers who are competing and, and, and with some violence even to be uh, the high priest. Okay. Uh, and and uh, they both appeal to Rome. Okay. Because Rome at that point has grown way beyond uh, the western half of the Mediterranean. They've they've you know, been driving away the Persians, okay. uh, which is what they would still be called, even though it was Greek culture and language. Sure. Um, so we're sixty-three. Yeah, about then. BC. When, and yeah, and, and a, a general who's kind of in in the area is tired of this, and he comes down, and he just uh, he says, "Now you're under Roman control." Mm. Um, but so Herod. Herod the Great, just real briefly on him, this is kind of where he comes in. He's, uh, his father, actually, Antipater, was uh, a highly placed official with um, the, the, the Jewish ruler that, that was put in place. Okay. And um, 
and uh, and so Herod is in a position of you know that's uh, leadership close to leadership. Is this Herod the king at Christ's birth? Birth. Herod? Yeah. Okay. This is the Herod that um, and so let's talk about the temple. Yep. Um, the first temple is Solomon's temple. The second right. temple is Zerubbabel. Okay. You know the Old Testament the rebuilt temple, right. and and Herod go, undergoes a or has the temple undergo a massive remodeling. Okay. It's, it's never completely closed down because if he interrupted the, 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 the sacrifices and the work that was going there, that would have created an uproar. Sure. Uh, some people think he was trying to curry favor with the Jews. Mm. Um, and the people that work on it, you can't just be anybody. Right. And so the, the priests are trained to be stonemasons sure. and, and okay. to do all this work. Mm -hmm. So he, he remodels the temple. He expands the temple ground. It becomes like 10 acres mm. um, with this great wall around it. And 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 the the, the, the ground is all marble, mm. and wow. the, the walls are gold plated. So he's what around what time? Um, he starts doing this around thirty nine or forty. Okay. This this remodeling. Okay. Um, and it goes on after he's dead, even right. while Christ is alive. Yeah, it's still being worked on. It's still being worked well, on during his yeah. life to some degree. But it's it's at a point where there was a saying that uh, when something like. Um, if you haven't seen the temple at Jerusalem, you haven't seen beauty. Right. Yeah. It was uh, it mm. was quite a sight wow. to see, mm. and uh, and still, you know, the work of of the the mosaic um, sacrificial uh, laws were all taking place there, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and approved by Christ, or at least sure. not condemned by him. Right. Um, indirectly approved by him by which, his own participation. Which is maybe just another indication that there were righteous. Yeah. And the priesthood was still functioning on some levels yeah. uh, for those that were trying to be righteous, though there would not have been a, a, a prophetic governing yeah. uh, person, maybe. And so, not and not too much on Herod because we're now going to bump right up into the New Testament, which is okay. But um, he he gets mixed reviews from from people in his time and from historians mm. because he was apparently a really pretty good uh, administrator. Okay. He was a great uh, supporter of uh, the Greek Olympic Games okay. in different places. Mm -hmm. He built amazing buildings mm -hmm. uh, and cities. The, the temple that was just one of his things that he was doing. Um, but uh, at the same time, he was not a very nice guy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the story of the wise men coming and right. where is he and well, let me find out. Right. You know, he wants to find out so because he sees potential threat. And killing to, all the children after. Yeah, and some historians say, well, yeah, we're not sure if that happened, yeah. but that's the, the, the story that we get in right. Scripture, so we tend to believe that it did. Right. But one thing that we do know is shortly after um, that story of killing the infants in and around Bethlehem, mm -hmm. um, he, gets, he gets sick, and it's a pretty disgusting disease and painful, and... Mm -hmm. And uh, he realizes that not enough people really like him, mm. that uh, his death is not going to be greeted with, with mourning mm. and sorrow. And so he tells two of his kids to gather uh, a, a bunch of the, the most elite um, men mm. of, of Jerusalem. And this, he's in Jericho when he dies, but gather them together in, in, a, in like a, an arena. And when I die, slaughter them, kill them wow. all, because people will mourn oh. 
when I die. They will bow. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the kind of guy that that Herod the Great. This is not the same Herod that later on is going to wash his hands right, and you know. Right. Um, but he, yeah, he, he's he's not a very good guy. Now, now help me, and maybe I I bounced you off of this. Herod is a Jewish leader, or Herod is a Roman. He's under Roman direction. Great question. He's uh, ethnically he's um, Idumean, um, Edom, Esau. Okay. You keep going back. Okay. And and at one point the Hasmoneans, as they were expanding their territory, took over. Um, Idumea. Okay. I, I, I might have said it Idumea before. That's because I don't know which one it is. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and and there was a, a big conversion of, okay. of those people to Judaism. Okay. Some historians say it was forced. Some say it was mostly voluntary. Okay. But but that would have been his like parents, grandparents. Sure. Um, and so he was raised as a Jew. Okay. So his, his and he married a Jew. Okay. So he he wanted to be right. in, in that respect. He wanted to be viewed as a Jew. But yeah. it, he was in place because the, the of uh, the Romans. Mm. So, so we've now got Roman rule, um, but under uh, Jewish leadership of sorts, which is kind of what Christ uh, inherits in his yeah. life, right? Yeah. Um, which is why Pontius Pilate um, eventually, again, kind of in a similar vein there, a ruler of the Jews, but not necessarily the guy in charge. And he, ultimately, he was actually a Roman. Oh, was he? Because things... Things change when that Herod dies, and you know he has okay. he has more than one son, and so okay. there's a split of things that takes place in, geographically, okay. and yeah, yeah, yeah. they okay. get a smaller portion of the kingdom here and here, and so but on. But Herod that washes his hands, yeah. right? Is is the is he the son of Herod he, the Great? Yes, okay, one of his sons. So we've got Herod washing his hands, sending him off to Pontius, who was Roman, yeah, um, and even Pontius though was under. The, a Caesar of sorts. Yeah, probably, well, right? he was he was a Roman um, sub leader. <laughs> yeah, governor. Yeah, um, uh, under under Caesar. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rome hasn't really ruled for that long. By the time Christ is uh, born, sixty years, sixty three years ish. Yeah. Um, has there been enough time for there to be any identifiable cultural shifts that way? Interesting thing about Rome conquering this Greek cultural area yeah. is that that Greek cultural area had more influence on Rome oh, really? than Rome did on, on those director. people. Yeah. Huh. In terms of in ter uh, you know, philosophy and art and dress, and, mm -hmm. and that, that continued to be a Greek-speaking area, mm. even though Latin was the official language of the empire. Mm. But one thing that um, uh, we can talk about tax collectors real briefly yeah. because I was, that's... I was thinking about Matthew yeah, as I yeah. asked the question. And, and this kind of tax collection started with the Persians. Okay. But by the time of the New Testament, a tax collector had a, um, oh, what's it called when like a McDonald's store is a franchise. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> they, they would they would purchase a a, a, a territory okay. where they would collect taxes. Okay. And they had a quota to raise, huh. and anything above that quota they kept. Oh. And so, boy, that's a that's a system that yeah. is just invites you know over collection of taxes and yeah. and so on. <laughs> Which, and so, that, and and if you were a Jew yeah. like Matthew, yeah. and you became one of those, you were you were as good as dead. Taking I mean, money from your yeah, fellow brethren. You were ab abhorrent to them, especially so. if you were successful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, there must be a reason you're successful, well, and no. it's not good. Yeah, that changes that that uh, perspective on Matthew a little bit. Yeah. 
just uh, what he had come from to be who he was. Brother, this has been so good. Uh, is there anything else that uh, you think is important for us to, to know or understand before we jump into the New Testament next week? I, I just think that um, as I study history and with the, the focus on religious history and how yeah. things go, I, I just think it, it is interesting to see how no matter what happens, no matter what um, people do or large historical developments or trends take place that God's prophecies and His promises are fulfilled. Yeah. Um, he keeps His His promises. He keeps His covenants. And in the midst of all of this, what could appear to be almost random, and and certainly is often chaotic, and and violent even. In the midst of all of this, He's got at least a thread. Yeah. That's going. That's functioning. Yeah. That's there, yeah. and and it's moving towards the next step. Yeah. It's moving towards the ultimate fulfillment of what yeah. the earth was created right. for, and yeah. and and the big picture. That's true, and in, in the individual picture, that's true. Yeah. It can look really bad. It can look really chaotic, and we look look like we're losing. Mm. But as long as we're on his side, yeah. then uh, ultimately, then it's going to work out. Yeah, that's well said. I love the the idea that God is never living. Uh, plan B. He's, yeah. he's never working our plan B out for us. Yeah. He's, he's always working on his plan A. He knows what's coming. He know, knows how what's happened is going to affect what's coming in our future. Um, I, I also would just add that, uh, you know, while we can see that that thread of God um, being involved all the way through the chaos, uh, we can also see a thread of man being very similar from that time to this time. Right, that that we uh, our weaknesses are the same now as they were then. Yeah, human and, uh, nature. Right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, our our desire to follow the world, our desire to uh, adopt culture, um, all those things I think are very similar. Yeah. Um, and maybe we can learn from from our, the history. Right. I think yeah. that's the the purpose of of studying it and going back. But but again, I I hope that this has been helpful for our listeners. It's been helpful for me for sure to understand what happened there, um, and to get back to uh, an understanding of how we got from the prophets to John the Baptist, really, uh, and Christ's birth, um, which is where we're going next week. Yep. So, Brother Knight, thank you. Yep. This has been wonderful. Anything, uh, anything you'd share with the, with the young people of the church before we close here today? Just hang in there <laughs> and, and uh, hang in there with, with joy and with enthusiasm and as much as possible. Sometimes it's just hard. But uh, ultimately, just have faith in God, in God's prophets, in God's plan, and in your ability to do what He expects you to do, which won't be doing it perfectly. It's just the effort, and the effort gets rewarded. So. Thank you. And the daily joyful repentance. Yes. When we don't do it perfectly. Yes. Brother Knight, thank you. Uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you. Yep. Thank you.